0: This is VOA News reporting by remote. I'm Michael Brown. U.S. President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping spoke at length Thursday amid tensions over a proposed visit to Taiwan by U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, which China's foreign ministry spokesperson has warned would be met with forceful measures. A senior administration official told reporters afterward that the two leaders also discussed the value of meeting face-to-face and agree to have their teams follow up to find a mutual mutual agreeable time to do so. Craig Singleton, senior fellow at the Foundation for Defense Democracies, says the continuing dialogue between Biden and Xi could eventually lead to progress on some issues.
1: In the coming weeks and months, um, perhaps we'll see greater opportunity for there to be movement, particularly on the economic front and tariffs. But for now, I suspect that we'll continue to see once a quarter or so uh, a she
2: biden phone call where the dial doesn't move much, but the two leaders can continue to foster their relationship.
0: Thursdays was the fifth call between the two leaders since Biden took office in 2021. On Thursday, for the first time in weeks, Russia launched missile attacks on Ukraine's Kyiv and the northern Chernihiv region. Ukraine said the attacks are retaliation for its continued resistance. Fifteen people were wounded, five of them civilians in the attacks. Kyiv's regional director, governor that is, linked the attacks to the Day of Statehood commemoration that Ukraine marked on Thursday for the first time. Meanwhile, Ukraine said it had launched an offensive to recapture Kherson. The that Russia had took control of earlier in the war. For more news, we invite you to join us at our website, that is voanews.com, also on the VOA mobile app via remote. This is VOA News. Under fire, U.S. officials say monkeypox can still be stopped AP correspondent Mike Gracia has the story. Top Biden administration health officials said Thursday the monkeypox outbreak in the U.S. can still be stopped, but cases continue to rise, and the administration is being criticized about the pace of the response. Even as federal leaders announced plans to distribute 780,000 shots of the two-dose Gineos vaccine, health departments in San Francisco, New York, and Washington, D.C. said they don't have enough shots to meet demand. As of Wednesday, the CDC said there were more than 4,600 reported monkeypox cases in the U.S., and federal health officials expect the numbers to rise. The monkeypox virus mainly spreads through skin-on-skin contact, but it can also transmit through touching linens used by someone with the infection. Mike Gracia, Washington. The governor of the U.S. state of Kentucky says at least eight people have died from flooding caused by heavy rains that also triggered mudslides in parts of the central Appalachia region. Governor Andy Bashir said Thursday property damage has been massive, with hundreds losing their homes. Water rescues continue across the region. In eastern Kentucky's Perry County, the emergency management director caused the damage catastrophic. Iranian Emergency Services said at least seven people were killed in floods near Tehran Thursday, most in a landslide that dumped mud four meters deep in a village just west of the capital. The Iranian Red Crescent said six people were confirmed dead in the village and nine were injured, while 14 others were missing. More than 500 people were evacuated, according to the statement made. The flash flooding near Tehran in the foothills of the al Mountains comes less than a week after floods in the normally arid south of Iran left 22 people dead. Japanese media says Japan and the United States are expected to agree on joint research for next generation semiconductors during economic talks in washington on friday japan's foreign ministry and trade minister will meet the u.s secretary of state and commerce secretary for the first time of economic talks on friday supply chains supply chain security is expected to be a major topic and the biden administration is launching a renewed push for covid 19 booster shots for those eligible According to the enhanced protection, they offer against illnesses as the highly transmissible BA-5 variant spreads across the country. For more news, please join us at our website, voanews.com, also on the VOA mobile app. I'm Michael Brown, reporting by remote, VOA News.
3: Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm James Butte in Washington. Today is Friday, July 29th. And here are some of the stories we are covering. HIV AIDS impacts young African women the most as progress to reduce infection stalls. Yesterday,
2: we released the global AIDS report for this year. For Africa, what is very sad is that it's adolescent girls and young women who are mostly affected
3: by HIV. Nigerian opposition lawmakers threaten to impeach President Buhari over security lapses. The Liberian diaspora welcomes the signing of a dual citizenship law. Malawian rights groups cancel protest over the abduction of the organizer.
4: If
5: we did that out of respect for Namiwa, because we don't know where he is, then how can we be able to demonstrate when we don't know where he is?
3: In South Africa, chief rabbi foreign minister wants Israel to be declared an apartheid state. Those stories plus Samson O'Malley's polls are coming up on Daybreak Africa. Executive Director of the United Nations AIDS Agency, UNAIDS, Units, says hundreds of people, mostly from the developing world, might have been denied the right to attend this year's Global AIDS Conference in Montreal, Canada, because they were refused visas winnie bianchema said she had to highlight this issue on Twitter because of what happened to her in geneva where repeated scrutiny of her travel documents almost caused her to miss her flight the two-day air conference concluded thursday in montreal from there, Ms. Bianyema tells me that a global AIDS status report presented by her agency finds that the disease has become a forgotten epidemic. She also says adolescent girls and young women in Africa are the most infected
2: by HIV. Yesterday, we released the global AIDS report for this year, and we named it In Danger because we show that the global HIV response has been derailed by COVID, by the war in Ukraine, and the resulting global economic crisis, and progress has stalled. Progress in reducing new infection has slowed. Progress in getting people who are HIV-positive on treatment has slowed. Progress in stopping AIDS-related deaths has slowed. Resources for HIV response have shrunk. For Africa, what is very sad is that it's adolescent girls and young women who are mostly infected by HIV. In sub-Saharan Africa, girls and young women are now three times as likely to acquire HIV as the same age boys. And young men.
3: What does this mean in terms of uh, Africa meeting your AIDS strategy 2021 2026? What needs to be done for them to meet that?
2: As I said, progress is slowing, but we can turn it around. We can get back on track to achieve our target of ending AIDS as a public health threat by 2020. What do we need? Well, first, we need to keep the funding. It's very hard now for African countries to maintain investments in health, in education, in social protection, all the three areas we need them if we are to succeed against HIV AIDS. But today, debt repayments are swallowing up the domestic resources that would be going to health, to HIV, to education, keep girls in school so that they are not infected by HIV, to social protection,
3: I want to talk to you about your tweet. You tweeted about an incident that happened to you on your way to Canada as you were trying to board your flight in Geneva. What can you tell us?
2: You call it an incident, but actually it isn't. It is just what we live with when you are a black or brown person traveling, working in some of these northern countries. You face this kind of racism, humiliation, frustration all the time. The reason I chose to leave it out this time was because I wanted to draw attention to the hundred, if not more than a thousand people who have tried very hard to get a visa to come to this very important conference and were denied. And these AIDS conferences that happen every two years, global meetings, are not just academic conferences or they are not like UN government meetings. These are movement meetings. These are people coming with the stories of their lives, with all their struggles. They come here to engage each other, to energize each other, to share, to learn, and to continue the struggle of their lives. So I put that tweet there really to draw attention to that, knowing that my social media accounts, I have more than a million followers. It was a way not to draw attention to myself, but to the people who've been denied their chance to be here.
3: You said that hundreds of people from the South did not make it to the conference. Can you be specific?
2: Yes. Denied visas, it. They went and applied and tried their best and tried to prove that they are coming just to attend a conference, which is important for their lives, for their work. We're denied visas. This is going on all the time. So As I said, I did not right
3: because I was shocked at how I was treated. Ms. Bianyima, thank you so much. It's so nice to talk to you on Daybreak Africa. Thank you for the opportunity.
2: Thank you, Jane.
3: Winnie Bianyima is the Executive Director of the United Nations AIDS Agency. She spoke with us from Montreal, Canada. Nigerian opposition lawmakers are urging that President Muhammadu Buhari be impeached for the country's deteriorating security. Lawmakers walked out of a session on Wednesday after the Senate president refused to allow a motion demanding Buhari improved security within six weeks or face impeachment. The president's office dismissed the ultimatum as ridiculous despite security threats this week reaching the capital. Timothy Obiezu reports from Abuja.
6: The opposition's walkout Wednesday was led by Senate Minority Leader Philip Aduda. Aduda had raised a motion for the Senate to mandate President Muhammadu Buhari fix rising insecurity within six weeks or face an impeachment proceeding. But the Senate President Ahmed Lawan who is a member of the Majority All Progressives Congress, APC, immediately shut down the motion and moved on with other matters. He said Aduda should have discussed the motion with him first before presenting it to lawmakers. Aduda told journalists outside the plenary Wednesday that the decision was backed by a majority of the lawmakers, including some lawmakers from the APC.
5: We also uh, took into cognizance the fact that the Senate had at various levels, at various times, convinced various security meetings, various uh, security issues were discussed, and we did recommend to government various uh, steps and measures aimed at covering these uh, issues. We realized that even Abuja that we are in...
6: The presidency, in a statement on Wednesday night, called the threats to impeach the president, quote, performative and babyish antics, end quote, and promised authorities are not relenting on efforts to secure the country. President Buhari on Thursday presided over a security meeting in Abuja. Nigeria is facing multiple challenges, but security has been the most worrying. Attacks by criminal gangs and Islamist militants have occurred in many regions, and more recently the capital, Abuja. A prison break in Abuja on July 5th freed hundreds of prisoners, including some convicted or charged with terrorism. This week, six troops on patrol in the capital were killed in a clash with armed men. Large-scale kidnappings from schools are another problem, and authorities recently ordered the closure of public and private schools in Abuja to prevent kids from being abducted. A regional spokesperson of the APC, Baba Afolabi, says the opposition is leveraging the insecurity to pursue a partisan agenda.
5: Coming up to say you want to impeach the president is not the solution to the security challenges. With the Nigerian setting, impeachment will complicate matters. The opposition will always have it say, but the majority will always have it
6: safe. In 2015, Buhari vowed to fix security problems if voted in as president. As Nigeria gears up for its next elections in February, this failed promise to keep people safe will be a major factor on the ballot. Tim Ubezu for Fioi News, Abuja, Nigeria.
3: The Liberian diaspora in the United States is welcoming the passing of a dual citizenship bill by the Liberian parliament. President George Weah last week signed the law granting dual citizenship to Liberians born in Liberia but naturalized in other countries and their children and other relatives born outside of the country. The decision comes as President Weah declared the year of return as the country commemorates the bicentennial of the arrival of the first freed American slaves on Liberian soil. Emmanuel Wetti is the former president of the Union of Liberian Associations in the Americas and the chair of the All-Liberia Conference on Dual Citizenship. He tells me that though it took nearly a decade to get the bill passed, diaspora Liberians are grateful to have their citizenship restored. We are
5: very happy and thankful to our Lord for helping us through the glory goes to Him and the people of Liberia. Liberia, the uh, president we are who were very instrumental in making sure this thing happened. The leadership of the Liberian Senate and Liberian House were very helpful in making everything happen. And we are thankful, we are very happy. And uh, you see we all Liberians in the diaspora, more than five hundred thousand people now citizenship have been restored and we are very happy for that.
3: What exactly does this dual citizenship entail? You mentioned five hundred thousand Liberians in the diaspora. Does it cover Liberians born outside and inside of the country?
5: Yes, it covers a person who is a Negro or of Negro descent born in Liberia is subject to the jurisdiction thereof. A person born outside of the Republic of Liberia whose parent or mother was born in Liberia or was a citizen of Liberia at the time of birth of first person. Even by adoption, if a child is under an 18 and they've been adopted by a biological Liberian parent or naturalized Liberian parent, that child is a Liberian. You can be an American citizen, you are a Liberian. You can be a Canadian citizen, you are a Liberian. You can be an Australian citizen, you are a Liberian. You can be a Japanese citizen, a Chinese, or any part of the world, you are a Liberian. Your Liberian citizenship will not be taken
3: away from you. So, uh, Emmanuel, what are the benefits for this dual citizenship? Uh, Does this mean now that Liberians in the diaspora will be allowed to vote in future elections in Liberia, or does this mean now they can own land in Liberia?
5: Yes, uh, Liberia can vote in Liberia. They can also own them in Liberia. They don't have to take a second thought. They are Liberian, And every constitutional right as a librarian is restored onto them with the other nationalities. Yes, so they can vote if they are in Liberia. Details have been worked out to see if they can vote also on Liberia. But for now, they can return home and vote and participate in the democratic process with all any issue with the foreign passport or foreign nationality. The good thing about this law is that your rights and privileges a constitutional duty as a liberia
3: have been restored to you say i'm an african-american i want to pick up liberian citizenship can i get a citizenship
5: yes you can become a citizen of Liberia so long you are a negro or of negro descent
3: so this law probably doesn't only benefit the liberian diaspora it also benefits people in liberia who, who are currently in the government i think my understanding is that some of them probably have, uh, international passports, but it will also benefit them.
5: Yeah, it would benefit any of the They respect that whether in government or not, so long you were born in Liberia. You are a Liberian. You can be in government or as a government. No matter where you are, you are a Liberian.
3: Emmanuel, why do you think it took so long? I mean, was there any objection to the passage of this law?
5: Yes, it took that long because our people were very afraid. They thought that we were coming to take the land, coming to take the money, coming to take the jobs. But we managed to change our message and our messages by telling our people that those that were coming are your brothers and sisters that were born in the country. They were not white people, they were not brown people, they were just the ordinary colleagues, Nambe, you know, Tafir, Josephine, and Manzo that was born in an area that that went home and became citizens of another country. The message was not easy but gradually with the leadership of President George Manor, we are you know through the office of a legal counselor House and Senate leadership and all of these people, you know, they came together and began to educate our people. And the Nigerian people begin to understand that we were not talking about white people, we we're talking about our own natural born Liberians that were born here and went outside to host citizenship of another country.
3: Emmanuel, thank you so much. And let me say, congratulations for a battle well fought.
5: Thank you. It took us uh, more than a decade, but with God's blessing, we are there. Thank you very much. And we do appreciate you.
3: Give it all the platform. Emmanuel Wetty is the former president of the Union of Liberian Associations in the Americas and chair of the All Liberia Conference on Dual Citizenship. He spoke with me from Columbus, Ohio. You are listening to Daybreak Africa on the Voice of America. I'm James Barty in Washington. Today is Friday, July 29th. Still to come on our program, Samson O'Malley Sports. Police in Malawi say about 76 protesters are expected to appear in court today Friday to face charges of unlawful assembly and inciting violence. This follows their arrest Wednesday when demonstrations against the high cost of living led to clashes with police and the looting of shops in the capital, Lilangwe. Lamek Masina reports from Blantyre.
7: The planned protests were aimed at pushing President Lazarus Chakwera to give up his immunity from prosecution and also limit his presidential powers. As he promised during the last campaign, Mundangu Nyirenda is a member of the Center for Democracy and Economic Development Initiatives, who seeded, which organized and then suspended the demonstrations.
5: We did that out of respect for Namiwa because we don't know where he is then how can we be able to demonstrate when we don't know where he is? And we don't know what has happened to him. Maybe they have killed him, you know? So we decided to cancel it.
7: Edwin Maluka, who is a seeded spokesman, says he witnessed the abduction. He says five men seized Namewa from his car as he was leaving a press conference on the protest. His car was blocked by a vehicle that had no registration number. And when he stopped uh, to avoid hitting that vehicle in front of him, immediately uh, some bouncers, could be more than five, uh, came out of the vehicle and uh, surrounded Mr. Namiwa's vehicle and started to force the doors open and pulled out him out of the car and started to beat him. And then they took him into their car and sped away. Mauruga says attempts to chase the vehicle proved futile. Rights campaigners say the abduction was an attempt by Malawi's government to silence dissenting views. However, Malawi's Minister of Homeland Security told lawmakers Thursday that she believes Namiwa's disappearance was employed by opposition parties to tarnish the government's image. A government spokesman, Gospo Kazako, said the government had nothing to do with the incident. Speaking to a local radio station Thursday, he said the government cannot condone acts of organism.
3: There's no way this government uh, can do that. Remember that we are not afraid of our critics. In fact, we look at our critics as part of the fertilization mechanisms for us to move forward. These are people that are acting as a mirror. These are the people that will always remind us uh, on what we should be doing.
7: President Jakuera on Thursday condemned the abduction and called for a speedy investigation into the matter. Harina Mwanza, deputy spokesperson for Malawi Police Service, said the police. Doing just that. We can't
3: disclose when are we going to conclude our investigations or what we have maybe found at this time. Uh, the only statement we can say that
6: we are investigating into the matter.
7: Meanwhile, despite the cancellation of demonstrations in the capital, when protests went forward in other areas where police fired tear to displace people who allegedly wanted to loot shops and vandalize property for News. Blantyre, Malawi. South Africa's Chief Rabbi, Foreign Minister
3: Naledi Pandor, is calling for Israel to be declared an apartheid state for its treatment of Palestinians. Pandor made the comparison to South Africa's past oppressive system of racial segregation during a meeting of the Palestinian Heads of Mission in Africa held in Pretoria. Kate Butler reports. From Johannesburg,
4: wearing a traditional Palestinian scarf, South African foreign minister Naledi Pandor reiterated South Africa's steadfast commitment to the Palestinian cause, comparing it to the 20th century struggle against white minority rule in South Africa.
1: Of course, for many South Africans, the narrative of the Palestinian people's struggle does evoke experiences of our own history of racial segregation
4: and oppression. Pandor said Israel was continuing to occupy Palestine in complete defiance of its international obligations and relevant resolutions of the UN, and that it was implementing apartheid. For his part, Palestinian Foreign Minister Riyad Malki thanked South Africa for its support, also drawing parallels with the former apartheid government.
1: We came here because every time we need support, we need encouragement. We look for real friends. We come to the origin of the struggle for liberation, for independence, against apartheid, against colonization here in South Africa.
4: Contacted by VOA, the Israeli embassy in Pretoria said it would get back with a comment on Pandora's remarks, but no statement has been made by either the embassy or the foreign ministry in Israel. South Africa's chief rabbi, Warren Goldstein slammed Pandor's comments as factually, politically, morally repugnant. They are views which are a defamation of the Jewish state and an insult to the victims of the real apartheid, because if everything is apartheid, nothing is apartheid. He added that the minister's comments betrayed South Africa's constitution. Israel is the only democracy in the region and the South African government's support for for tyrannies in China, Russia, and Iran mean that it does not have the moral credibility to level accusations uh, such as this. Kate Bartlett for VOA News, Johannesburg.
3: It's time now for Daybreak Africa Sports, and here is something O'Malley in Abuja, Nigeria. A very good Friday morning to you, something. Good Friday morning to
1: you too, James. We begin the sports in Birmingham, where the 22nd edition of the Commonwealth Games got underway on Thursday, with more than 5,000 male and female athletes from 72 nations and territories taking part. Several African countries who are part of the Commonwealth countries are also taking part in the Games. They will be competing over the next 11 days in 20 sports and there are multiple events which offer a total of 280 gold medals. The Birmingham 2022 Games will feature cycling athletics, gymnastics, triathlon, swimming, weightlifting, rugby sevens, hockey, beach volley, judo, lawn balls, table tennis, squash, netball, boxing, powerlifting, and wrestling. Women's T20 cricket, 3x3 basketball, and 3x3 wheelchair basketball are the other sports and they will be making their games debut. In football news, South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa says the female national team Banyana Banyana deserve to be paid as much as your male counterparts after they won their first African Cup of Nations. The victory has sparked a public debate about equal pay in the country after it was reported the players will receive less money in prize bonuses than their male colleagues did for reaching the quarterfinals of the men's tournament in 2019.
3: Today our hearts are filled with pride. They are bursting at the seams with a great deal of joy. Because you, Banyana Banyana, you promised that you would bring the cup back home. And you have brought it home. Here is the cup. It's not in any other country on the continent. It is here in South Africa.
1: South Africa beat tournament host Morocco 2-1 in the final on Saturday in Rabat thanks to a double from striker Hilda Magaya. It was the first continental title for the side known as Banyana Banyana after five final defeats. In volleyball news, Tunisia will represent Africa in this month's International Volleyball Federation Men's Challenger Cup. The tournament got underway on Thursday, July 28 in Seoul. The event returns in 2022 after being postponed for two years because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Jacob Antonio is the head coach of the Tunisia men's volleyball team.
3: They changed the formula of this tournament. Before, we know that we have to play some matches. But now we discover, they inform us in the last moment, that uh, uh, immediately uh, we must win the first match. The loser uh, must go home. That's why...
1: It's very difficult to arrive there. In cricket news, the Ugandan cricket cranes are back to work ahead of next week's third leg of the ICC Cricket World Cup Challenge League B, scheduled to take place in Jersey. Uganda still topped the log, but two defeats against Hong Kong and Jersey in the second leg that took place in Kampala saw their sizable lead really cut into. And that's it on Daybreak Africa Sports. I am Samson on Malay in Abuja, Nigeria. It's back to you, James, in
3: Washington. Thank you, Samson. Have a good weekend. And that's it for this Friday, July 29th edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for spending this week with us. For more Africa news and features, visit our website at voaafrica.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are also on YouTube, where you can watch our TV shows, Africa 54, Straight Talk Africa, and Red Copy. On behalf of the Daybreak Africa crew,